we could give everyone the best advice. We just weren't taking our own advice. Well, once we started taking our own advice and our property stabilized, that's when people approached us and said, man, could you guys manage my house? Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on, uh, or the main two things, are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. Familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and happy Saturday. I hope you're having a best ever weekend. And because it's Saturday, we've got a special segment for you called Situation Saturday. This is different from our Monday through Friday format. Monday through Friday, we ask the best ever guests what their best ever advice is. However, on Saturdays, more often than not, we do a special segment called Situation Saturday. And the guest will talk about a situation that they've been in that will likely be applicable to something that you'll come across and how they've overcome it. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So with us today, we have a previous best ever guest who just did a phenomenal job. One of the most popular episodes we've had, Steve Rosenberg. How are you doing, Steve? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm doing well, my friend. And thank you for joining us again. And if you want to hear Steve's best ever advice, then go check out episode 172 titled Pros and Cons of Investing in Low-Income Properties. But he's not here to talk to us today about his best ever advice. He's here to talk to us about a specific situation. And let me give a couple more pieces of information about Steve, and then we'll get into that situation. So Steve is based in Houston, Texas. He's a property manager at Empire Industries 
He's a licensed real estate agent with over 13 years of owning and operating properties, probably 14 years by now since we I suspect we talked about a year ago. Yeah. He's flipped and negotiated hundreds of transactions. He is currently focused on single-family home properties and building out his management company. And he's also an airline. Are you still an airline pilot? I still am. Still an airline pilot, flying planes all over all over the place. So let's talk about the situation. So here's here's the situation. You are losing thousands of dollars every month on your rental properties, and you've got to figure out a solution. So that's the situation. Steve's going to walk us through that. Steve, it would be helpful if you provide some context for where you were at and a little bit of, of background, and then you can dive right into how you overcame it. Sure, sure. So just to give you a time frame, this was roughly, I'm going to say 2007, 2008, my business partner and I had just sold a 39-unit apartment complex, and we realized that we wanted to kind of get more focused on single family. And uh, we thought we were the smartest guys in the world because we just made a lot of money on an apartment complex and how easy single family could be, and uh, we should be able to knock this out of the park, no problem. So what ended up happening was in about a year and a half, we purchased about 20 properties. And I would say about 70% of those properties were low-income properties. And all the things that we knew not to do, we were doing. We weren't properly screening the tenants. We weren't factoring in reserves. We were basically basing pie in the sky on what the projected cash flow was going to be. And what we very soon realized is we had a lot of problems and we made some very, very strategic errors buying these properties. So you would think that on property number 20, when we had all these problems, that we would have stopped buying. And as you can imagine, that's not what happened. It wouldn't be as good of a story if that was the case, right? <laughs> it wouldn't be as good of a story, exactly. So we bought about another five properties just to just to rub salt in the wound to think we could outgrow our problems. And all we did is add more zeros to our problems. And what we ended up realizing was we were in a bigger problem than we even imagined. You know, the tenants kept calling. Uh, we had some, we started realizing that managing properties after you own them is there's a lot of legal issues that go on with that. And there's a lot of tenant rights. And we were just making, we we're too emotionally close to the properties because we owned them and it was our dollar that we were making decisions, not on business decisions, but on uh, being scared and making quick emotional, like this person seems good. Let's get them in the property. Bad credit. Okay. No problem. You can rent the property. And that really just made our problems even worse. We just kept digging worse and worse. And it, it really was a, it was, it was almost like a death spiral. And had I not had a job and my business partner not had another job, th there's no way at the path that we are going that we are going to be able to, to sustain owning these properties. And it, it was a very scary feeling. Hmm. Yeah. We So <laughs> you have some uh, examples here that I think anybody who has attempted to self-manage or is currently self-managing can empathize with. 
And it is. I mean, and anybody who has purchased a property that hasn't performed, regardless of if you're self-managing or not, you do kind of get into that death spiral where, you know, you get more and more into something and you're not, you're making more and more decisions that perpetuate, you know, self-perpetuate because the bad decisions rather because of kind of what's going on. You don't, you really need to be able to take a step back. So how did you, and we'll get into your solution in here in a second, but what was the moment in time where you were able to like the world stopped for a second and you were able to realize what you wanted to do and the different approach? You know, it, it's funny you say that because it is clear as day in my mind. It's almost like when somebody has a drinking problem and they wind up in the street at 3 a.m. with no clothes on and they say, I think I have a problem. It was similar to that situation. Um, we had to move out. It was about a, I'm going to say maybe a thousand square foot property. And of course, we, we had done all these favors for this tenant. And uh, of course, as you can imagine, the tenant didn't follow through on any of their side. So we ended up having to evict them and went through the process. And because we were trying to save money on the uh, make ready, my business partner and I decided that we would go to the property ourselves and we would do the, we would do the trash out because it was going to save us maybe $300 and, and times were tough. And we thought, you know what, let's just do it. I've got more time than money right now on these properties. And I remember I landed from my airline job, went to the property in the ghetto, in my uniform, <laughs> changed in the street into my basic street clothes and we commenced to trash out i would say one of the nastiest homes i've ever seen in my life there was less than a thousand cockroaches all over that place there was none then i mean it was probably i'm and i'm not kidding three truckloads of trash just trash the power had been off for a month the refrigerator was just nasty my business partner threw up two times, I think. <laughs> and, you know, you can imagine how the scene, we're, we're pulling stuff onto the front yard and all the neighbors are going picking what they want because they think it's like a free swap meet. And we're glad because it's less stuff that we have to pay for someone to move to the dumpster. So we do all that stuff. And I remember feeling very accomplished at the end of this. We probably spent maybe five hours doing this. And I told my business, I looked at my partner and I said, man, that's awesome. How much money do you think we just saved? And the look on his face was, he said, how much do you make an hour as an airline pilot? And I thought about it and I told him and he said, well, I know how much I make being in charge of an IT department. He goes, do you know how much money we just wasted doing this? He said, we are never, ever doing this again. This was a complete waste of our time. <laughs> and I stood there thinking, you know what, man, we are so stupid. Like, I cannot believe that I thought this was the smartest idea and the reality was, is we could have paid someone $200 to trash it out as opposed to five hours of each of our times, which is 10 hours. I, you know what I mean? When you step back and look at it, it's like, oh my God, I cannot believe we thought we were smarter than everybody doing this. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for putting us right there. Okay. we're So that conversation just took place. Now that was a tipping point clearly. Now what happens? So at that point we, we said, you know what, we've, we've got to figure this out. This is, we're, we're, we're going nowhere in a hurry and, you know, we need to figure this out. So what we did was we said, okay, here's our, we need to come up with a plan. And the plan is we either A, sell these properties and call it, which we did not want to do, or B, we hire a property management company to take these over and have them run it like a business. So those were the two options. So we owning apartment complexes and being involved in real estate, we knew enough. We just knew that we were doing 
all the wrong things because we're too close. So my business partner says, you know what? I will interview some companies and then we can figure out who we want to use and then we'll go from there. And I said, okay, great. So about two months goes by and we have a meeting again. And he says, man, he says, we have a problem. And I said, what? He goes, I think we're worse off than we thought, number one. And number two, I don't think anybody is going to be able to help us. I think actually they would put us out of business quicker than us doing it ourselves. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, none of these people are going to be able to fix these problems from their point of view and their beliefs as property managers. They've never owned properties. They don't know what it's like to deal with these type of tenants. They really don't care. They want, you know, a certain amount of reserves, which we don't have. And there was no accountability between us and the property manager, whether or not they perform their job or not. There was just no accountability on their part. So that was the first start of, okay, we know the direction we're going. Now we're going to, we're going to try this route. And then we realized that route was not going to work. And that was the point that he and I said, you know what? Okay. We don't really think we want to do this, but we may have to do this. And by doing this, I mean, you and I are going to sit down and we are going to map out the foundation of how we would manage our houses through the eyes of an investor the way we want it done. And for about six months, he and I basically made the plumbing and infrastructure of a property management company. And this was pure self-preservation. That's all it was for. And we just wanted to protect our properties from going bankrupt. And after about, well, it took us about six months and then about the next four or five months, we implemented it. Basically, we had to make a vow to ourselves that we were going to become a client of ourselves. And if we became a client of ourselves, we were going to have to abide by rules and policies and procedures just like we hired us. And we actually charged ourselves a nominal fee. And we ended up ripping out about, or we ended up evicting about 70% of our deadbeat tenants, which is another fear because now we have all these vacant properties, but we just said, if we're going to do this, we got to stay the course. And by doing that and being strict and then being stricter on the front end, when we first started, we had about a 30% eviction rate. So we realized that's where our weakness was by doing the plumbing and infrastructure. And after we got our properties occupied by the right tenants had policies, procedures, trained them correctly from the front inbound side, our property started to run a lot more smoothly and we're able to step back, maybe even just an inch, but we're able to step back a little bit and look at it as a business. And that was kind of how the property management company was birthed. Wow. So many interesting and important notes here. I think the, the overarching one is that you became a client for yourself and think that's the key where you're, you're treating it. And we hear about treating it like a business and perhaps this is, this is a similar thing where you treat your properties like a business, but I think it's taking it to the next level or at least the next step where you are treating yourself as the client and then you've got the business to be run. I, I want to talk a little bit about timing though. For the six months that you were creating the infrastructure, what took so long, one, and how were you financially supporting these properties? Was it just through your, your airline job and his IT job? Well, you know, and, and I know we talked about this a little bit on the last uh, show we did, going back to how we supported them. On paper, these properties were making four to $500 a month um, cash flow per property. 
And at that time, I think we had about, I think we got up to about 25. So when they were occupied and running, they were great. When they were down and we had a vacancy and a make ready, basically all the cash flow that we thought we made was, would go back into the make ready because the properties weren't, they weren't just vacated. They were like trashed on the way out and, and parts and stuff were taken. So we were able to support it by every now and then doing a quick cash call and putting in a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks or, but the cash flow was coming in and we didn't just, you know, we ripped the bandaid off, but we didn't do it. You know, we took the low lying fruit, the ones that were the deadbeats and not paying, they were gone. The ones that were paying, but not paying on time, they were the next to go, but we weren't doing them right away. So we kind of did it like a leapfrog system. We got rid of the deadbeats first and then moved on from there. As far as implementing the structure of the management company, you know, we really just started from scratch and said, okay, how in our whole philosophy was me being an airline pilot and traveling was how can we make this as automated as possible and how can we make this scalable? And at the time we were thinking, oh, maybe we'll buy another 25 homes and have 50 or hundred properties. So our thoughts were, is how do we make this scalable? And the way we make it scalable is by having as many ways to make things automated as possible. And we looked at everything that we did from getting a tenant to utilizing a leasing agent and getting a volume discount to utilizing a phone system where they leave a message, just anything that we could do that could free up a minute of our time. And it's, it's kind of like that, you know, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. And myself being an airline pilot, very systems oriented, and my business partner being an IT person, we looked at it as, okay, here's the end point. Here's the beginning. We need to route it and checklist it and put a manual and policy in place. And it may not be what it's going to be down the road, but at least it's something. And that's kind of how we did it. And I don't know if that helps answer your questions, but that's kind of the methodology. Yes. So take us to, say, month three of that six-month process of coming up with the infrastructure is it a Word document that you're working on? Is it, I don't know, Excel, Excel sheets? Like, are you calling people? What, what's that look like? Yeah, so it was a lot of it was Word documents as to, you know, what we formed a company, we formed an LLC, and the LLC was now collecting all the rents. So, you know, we started separating it out and it was all, everything was a Word document. It was like, when we got a tenant, when a tenant came in, what would happen? And we would just outline the steps and then inside of those steps, we would expand like an expanded view of, okay, this is what exactly happens. And then we had something. And we even had it to where, because it was low-income area, we would put up signs like little, you know, handmade bandit signs in the middle of the night. And we even had a picture, step-by-step -step picture of how to make these signs. Because we realized one day it's not going to be us doing it. Someone else is going to be doing this. And the more that we can itemize and systemize this it, with pictures and, you know, text, the less times we have to tell them in person. And that's kind of how, you know, how it started. And, and again, a lot of this was just for he and I, and we didn't realize that after about the six month time frame when our properties did stabilize and, you know, we followed our procedures, that is when we actually had other investors approach us and actually ask us if we could manage their properties because, us being, you know, we were, we were experienced investors. We knew what we were doing in the apartment world. And, you know, we knew enough in the single family world. You know, it's one of those things. We could give everyone the best advice. We just weren't taking our own advice. Well, once mm -hmm. we started taking our own advice and our property stabilized, that's when people approached us and said, man, could you guys manage my house? Because you guys, you guys fix the same problem that I have. And that's, 
that was truly when we even more put in structure to do this. What time frame is this? You said before, it, whenever you know the, the sky was falling, it was 2007, 2008. So when did you complete your plan? It was probably in 2007, 2006, 2007 is when we did went on our buying, buying frenzy, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then in, it was probably 2008-ish, halfway through is when we realized, okay, we've got a problem. 2009 is when we created the LLC for the property management company. Uh, Empire Industries. And that is when we started structuring the business model. And the course, it probably was a total of a year of us doing the the initial structuring, fixing our problems, and then having people ask us to take their properties on. And and so that was, it was probably about a year, 2010 to 2011. And that, that was kind of the decision where whether or not we even wanted to do this business, because at, at the heart, we were still investors. We, you know, we, people would say like, oh, you guys are property managers. And we'd say, no, we're, we're investors like you. We just, we just have a solution. And, and it, was a, it was a big mind shift to realize that our business model was actually property management, not rentals for us. With the business model now as property management and investing, mm-hmm. but as, as property management as well, and really driving it, looking back on it, as you currently manage, because I'm sure you've done enhancements since you created that plan. I'm sure it's ever evolving. Sure. What are you doing tactically different now than whenever you had people uh, who were just trashing the place out and, and weren't properly screened? Sure, sure. That was a great question. Well, you know, in the matter of about four years from when we really said, okay, this is a business and we're going for it, it was about four years' time. And um, we, we are up to about 500 properties now that we manage. And I would say what we are doing tactically different is we are steadfast in doing and preaching the fact that you have to run this as a business model. And what we're doing is, is we are taking someone's property and we're putting it into our business model, which is a working model, successful working model. And we are telling the investor that, you know, we're just like you in the sense that we get it. You're doing this for cash flow, appreciation, equity, pay down, all those things. But you own a business and you have profit, you have loss, you have expenses, you have income. You've got, you know, a lot of legal. I mean, the landlord's the highest sued in real estate, mostly because they don't understand that they're the most regulated and they have tenants rights. And we have become experts in making sure that a business owner's properties run like a true business. And we even do some mentoring and some teaching and and helping people so that they actually understand the business model and that it's not like you just have a hobby, which, you know, I can say from experience because that's basically what we had is we had a hobby that we kind of went bonkers on and started buying properties. And that hobby turned into a huge, you know, ankle weight. And so we've learned from our mistakes and we make sure that these investors that put their investment with us have a successful business model. Specifically with, you know, plugging into the business model uh-huh. and understanding that it's a business and understanding the the profit loss expenses legal, like specifically what do you teach them or what is different from you know, tactically, like, you know, certain processes or something that you're doing now that you weren't doing before? Yeah. So we are huge proponents of technology. And out of our 500 houses, 
I would say 50 to 60 percent of our clients do not live in the state or in the country. So because of that, we have to become very proficient in being their eyes and ears to take care of their properties. And at the fundamental, what someone is doing is they are buying a property as a vehicle to get them some investment cash flow and security, right? I mean, at the end of it, that's really what a lot of people want. So there are a lot of them have never purchased a property. They don't know anything about Texas. They don't know anything about investing in general. So what we do is we do a lot of technology, meaning, you know, when an investor is looking to buy a property, we will go out there as the management company. We will walk the property. We will give them an assessment of what we think of it as a rental. We're looking at it as, is this something we want to manage? And is this person that's living in New York or Dubai, are they buying a mistake? And it's in our best interest, obviously, to make sure they don't buy a mistake. And it's in our best interest to give them to be their team on the ground to make sure that they're not doing something that is going to bite them. Everything we do is is on a uh, – our property management software is on web-based so owners can log into our software 24-7, see conversations. They can see their so- their invoices, their ledger. You know, We wire money to owners' bank accounts. The way we look at it is we have 500 owners, and we also have 500 tenants, and we have about 150 vendors. So it's basically like we're married to all of these different people, and – we have to make sure that everybody who has a different definition of happiness is taken care of by the letter of the law. So it's our job to make sure that they are doing things right. And sometimes it's a matter of explaining to an owner from an investor's perspective, you may not make money on this, but you're putting a capital improvement into your property. Or even the sense of you may not think it's right, but this is the law and you have to fix this. So, you know, we're kind of their voice of reason on a lot of things. It's our goal to make them successful because if they're successful, chances of them buying another property are high. If they're not successful, they're probably not going to buy another property. So we just try to use as much as we can to make them successful. Does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah. And definitely technology is powering a lot of it. What technology do you use? Jeez, we, we use a lot. We use a software called Propertyware. It's our property management software, which is great. We have our field techs, when they walk a vacant property, we do 150 to 200 pictures of that property, and we do a video of the property, and that is our our pre-move-in of what the property looks like. All of that is loaded up onto our Google Drive, and then we send the owner that link, okay? We use DocuSign to digitally sign all of our documents. We make sure that when a tenant is going to move out of the property, we send them that link of the video of how the property looked when they moved in. So we explain <laughs> to them, look, this is how you got it when you moved in. This is how we expect it when you move out. Otherwise, the charges will apply. So we tried to – we've learned that by you know utilizing technology but also more importantly setting the expectation with the tenant and with the owner. You know, When, when we sit with an owner and talk to an owner, we explain to them, look, you are running a business. You are going to have expenses. You may have losses. You will have profit. This is the business you're in. And, you know, you, you cannot just dictate what you want if the law says something different. And, and our job is to protect them. They don't need to know it, but they need to trust whoever they work with 
that they're doing it. And what I tell owners is you need to trust, but verify, trust that we're doing the right thing, but verify we're doing the right thing. Also, don't just stick your head in the sand and say, I have a property manager and they're going to do everything. And I trust them. That's dumb. If Steve Rosenberg came up to you, the 2007 version of Steve Rosenberg came up to you right now, and he has these 25 properties that he's losing thousands of dollars on and you know the re- your re- reserves or no reserves and not screening tenants right now and have a lot of problems. Would you manage his properties? No, I wouldn't. And actually what I would tell him is he needs to look at, you know, first thing I would ask him is, is what is your business model? What is your plan? And if he says my plan is to have a certain cash flow or cash on cash return, then I would say, okay, we need to look at those properties and decide which ones are giving you that return and which ones are not. And then we need to start getting rid of the ones that are not. It's like cutting out the cancer. And I I would explain to him that the ones that are not performing, whether whatever reason is, is we've got to get rid of them. And we have to save the good ones so that the bad ones don't drag us down. And I would start dissecting which ones are good, which ones are bad, why are they good, why are they bad, and then come up with a plan of an exit strategy on the ones that are bad. And sometimes selling a property at a loss just to get rid of it is a smart move. And and a few of the properties I had that were low income that I sold, it, it was the best feeling in the world, even though I had to come to closing with a check. Personally, it just was not the business model for me, and it was not working for what I wanted. And it takes a lot to admit that you made a mistake and that you purchased a wrong property. But I tell you what, when you are no longer having that negative feeling and that draining and you can focus your positive energy on making smarter acquisitions, it's, it's just a lesson. And you got to look at it as a lesson, not as a failure. So that, that's what I would tell me. Is there anything else as it relates to turning your, your problem of losing thousands of dollars into a large-scale property management company or a business? Anything else as, as it relates to that that you want to mention? I would just say that you need to have a business plan and you need to have an end goal in mind. And what you need to do is you need to focus on what is your goal How are you going to get to that goal? Meaning what is your strategy? And then you need to, you know, walk out the door and start. You just got to start it. Even if the lights are all red, you still got to start. And if you wait for all the lights to turn green, you'll never start it. But you got to make sure that you're heading towards your goal and you're constantly adjusting and readjusting to get there. And Steve, what's the best ever place for the best ever listeners to reach you? They can look us up online at Empire Industries llc.com. If they want, they can email me directly if they'd like to know more information about us or how I can help them. uh, Steve at empireindustriesllc.com. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show in the special segment of the show called Situation Saturday and talking through what do we do if we've, we've got these properties, this portfolio of properties that are costing us thousands of dollars. Your solution, well, you first look at two options. One is that you're you're either going to do the management uh, or, hi, excuse me, hire a property management company or sell the properties. 
then as those conversations you know came about it just it wasn't working out with how the interviews that you were uh, or your partner was doing with the potential property management companies because they were asking the same questions that you would be asking right now, quite frankly. So it really needed to get it. And some of the ones that you don't, and I'm sure you ask additional questions, but they, as you mentioned, it would be tough to manage these properties or your properties right now as they were. So really you got to come up with a plan of action. And in particular, you know, looking at what are the good properties, what are the bad properties based on your goal, and then where are we headed together? And then here's what we need to do. And I, I love how you, uh, you, you, start, you start with your beginning and then you have your end point. And then it's like, okay, how do we get from point A to point B? And then talking about, you know, it, t- it took six months for, for you to, to come up with this plan, which, you know, to build a business that's, I, I think it's a relatively short amount of time, but I'm sure whenever you're in the thick of things, it's a really long time where you just want the darn thing solved. And you know, you said you have very specifics as far as even when a tenant comes in, what happens. I like the tactical things that you mentioned that you do, like uh, using the technology in particular property rare, having field techs take pictures and video of the property. Then whenever the tenant wants to move out, sending them a link to that video so that they can see what the property condition was whenever they moved in and uh, you're setting the expectations. It's not a hobby. It's a business. I think that is a underscores our entire conversation where, you know, we, we've got to focus on it like we would any other business. If, if we were starting it, it's there and there will be expenses with businesses as well as, as profit. So thank you so much for, for being on this special segment of the show, Steve, and we will talk to you soon. I hope you have a best ever weekend. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H.com forward slash best ever.